It's that time again. Time for the Cowboy Roundtable. I'm Jeff Fry, your host. Today we got Ian McMacken, publisher of Go Wild Go website. And Doug Friesen, out of uh, the great state of Arizona. So sit back and relax while we talk some cowboy football. All right, all right, guys. Settle down, settle down. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. Uh, Doug, Ian, how are you guys doing? I'm doing well. Uh, again, I'm looking forward to another season of the podcast. Um, I know you guys did a great job last week with Wyoming great Ryan Yarbrough. You got a big victory out of the whole thing last week, and so feeling pretty good and looking forward to the game up in Laramie on Saturday. I'm sweltering away here in Arizona, just uh, waiting for the poke game, uh, watch it on the tube. I had the opportunity to go to Las Cruces last week and swelter away watching them grab the victory. Well, now, what's your temperature there now? It's about 105. 105? Well, it's it's 96 here, but we've got like, you know, 80% humidity. So I got you on the humidity there. But uh, okay, it's much nicer here. <laughs> got a dry heat there, so uh, all right. So we're kind of uh, coast to coastal here almost. I'm out here in uh, Virginia, and uh, uh, Ian's there in Denver, and I'm coming from or um, Doug's coming from Arizona. So, gentlemen, we uh, had a nice, great opening game victory down there in. Las Cruces, New Mexico. And Doug, you went, uh, what was the atmosphere like down there? That's correct. Drove over on a Saturday, uh, got there in time, checked in the hotel, went to the pregame party at the sports bar where Wyoming was set up and then headed over to the game and, and uh, enjoyed the festivities. Now, I understand, uh, did they do what you were saying, have everybody on just one side of the stadium so it looked fuller? Pretty much. I, I believe Las Cruces, the stadium there at New Mexico State, is probably about 30,000, and they announced the crowd at a little over 20,000. And I would say probably three-fourths of everybody was on the east side. What I understand told by the locals is that um, – an alumni donor snatched up all the remaining tickets on the east side and then turned around and either distributed them out for free or sold them off for three bucks, something like that to the effect. And so I had already bought my tickets right behind the band because I wanted to be behind the poke bench and show them support. And I didn't want to sit down on the 10 yard line where they normally make the visitors sit to where you can't even see the field. And, um, um, we were able to visit with some really nice locals there, and some guys said, oh, we hadn't even been to a game in two years, you know, and we came across these tickets, so wanted to just come and check it out, and and I think that is the story of a lot of people. I also sat next to a young couple with some kids, and they, they left pretty much after the first quarter because the kids needed to head out for the evening, but they said they were both grads in New Mexico State, and they just wanted to come and check it out because, you know, it, it was it was kind of the opening day and kind of a big deal, and they got a hold of the tickets. So 
I mean, they did what they did to try and look good for uh, TV. And when I looked at their replays when I got home, you know, it, it looked much more uh, attended than what it really was. Now, uh, you know, they had uh, they started to fade or in the uh, third quarter there uh, when the when the game kind of got out of hand, but uh, uh, they've been they've been having challenges there. I guess they got kicked out of the uh, Sun Belt Conference. Is that right? Am I am I uh, am I remembering that correctly? This is their first year as an independent. Right, that's correct. And what it was is, um, according to the locals, um, uh, ironically, when we went to the Wyoming pregame party, we ended up talking to a couple of diehard New Mexico State guys that uh, bet us twenty bucks we wouldn't come back and meet them at the bar after the game. <laughs> Won that bet by um, <laughs> anyway, but. Um, those guys, you know, they, they were pretty decent about it. And they said, you know, it, geographically, they just weren't a fit for a lot of the Sunbelt um, programs. And, and they just feel like they've always been the odd person out, you know, because, you know, UTEP, think about it, UTEP, they got a population of a million people in El Paso. You know, Las Cruces is more populated than Laramie, but... Overall, there's not this huge population surrounding Las Cruces. And then, of course, New Mexico, it's Albuquerque. Albuquerque's next to Santa Fe, where the state capital is. That's the center. That, you know, Albuquerque's the metropolis and stuff. So, you know, they, they kind of feel like, um, what's that proverbial saying, the red-headed stepchild or whatever. That's what they kind of feel like. And they'd love to have a home, but... Um, you know, they recognize that if they want to play Division One football, they basically have to, they got to sell out. They got to go on the road an awful lot and, you know, realize that they're not going to get a lot of marquee games at home. And that's one reason why with an ESPN picking up that early game, they wanted to show good because that was their chance to showcase their program, use it for recruiting, you know, look good and say, we are a contender on the national scene, which, you know, unfortunately for them, you know, cause I know Wyoming at some points was sweating it out. Are we going to be relegated to that with all these conference realignments in New Mexico States, the odd one out. Uh, fortunately for Wyoming, we're the, we're the uh, one that's in. And I think a lot of it has to do with our, our location. It's like real estate location, location, location. Well, yeah, that, and it's really odd. Um, it's strange to me that we've only played those guys a very few times. I think the last time we played them was back in the seventies or something, or a long time ago. I think it was nineteen fifty-two. Fifty-two, even farther back. Them. And I was with you, Jeff. I was actually very shocked to see that. You would think we would have played them over the last several decades, at least uh, a few times. Uh, especially considering some of the teams we played. So we're, we're right now sitting at 2-0 and against New Mexico State historically, and we've uh, bombed them on both occasions. Wow. That's a, yeah, I was, I was shocked as well. I, uh, a school in this region, uh, you know, uh, we usually, um, usually play the closer ones more times, but that was only two times. So uh, I tell you Tell you where New Mexico State's at, I went and did a little bit of um, um, looking up on school finances and stuff because I wanted to compare Wyoming and Washington State. And so I said, oh, might as well bring up New Mexico State while we're at it. You know, at, um, Wyoming, 
our ticket sales are four times what New Mexico states are, you know, and people sometimes say, but you know, Wyoming, you know, we got a challenge with our attendance. Well, yeah, but you know, we're charging a pretty good sum. We're, we're charging a fair D1 um, admission price for our ticket sales and the people are still coming, you know, because we have a good product on the field. And then when you think about our contributions between our alumni support and so forth, I mean, our, our budget is substantially more than a program like New Mexico State's. And that says a lot for being a player on the D1 scene. Oh, yeah. It, um, it's, it's an important thing. And uh, we're fortunate, you know, we've, like you said, we've sweated things out. But, uh, you know, the 15,000 average, remember that? That was a, about a decade ago. They were threatening to cut te- uh, teams back if they didn't have a certain uh, average in their attendance. And that kind of went away, finally. Uh, but... Um, uh, it's rough. It's rough, and uh, and uh, those guys down there have a tough time. Well, uh, give me your impression of the game since you were there. Um, I saw it on TV. I know I and you saw it on TV. Um, it looked pretty damn good on TV. Uh, what was it like in uh, live? Seeing the team in person. Um, we have some big boys and these big boys, they're not, well, let's say big men, but um, they're not just big because they sat too long at the dinner table. Uh, we look physically big. There's a difference between, you know, cause I've seen Sunbelt teams and, you know, New Mexico state is representative of a Sunbelt team. Um, yeah. They got some guys with a little bit of girth and stuff, but you know, we, there's a whole lot of difference. We, we, we just look like a powerful physical team, unlike what I've seen in person over my many years of seeing Wyoming football I, across the board. And to have the opportunity to go down a little bit closer and see some of these guys up front, uh, they look a lot more chiseled. I am impressed with what Bull's putting together with these fellas. And, um, um, to see that go into the second and the third string, uh, you know, throughout the game, you know, I know towards the end of the game, we had a lot of the third stringers in. That's where, you know, you get the younger guys and stuff. But um, we were ready to go competitively head-to-head with a lot of teams and, and play them very physically in ways that we couldn't do that before. Well, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. I'm, uh, I'm looking for – I'm going out to the Missouri game. Uh, you know, uh, Tony Johnson, uh, his handles mad cowboy out on the board. He and I are going out and, um, he, um, he won that, um, oh, you know, the, um, what is it? The, uh, um, raffle thing that they have, uh, every year with cowboy Joe, he got two sideline passes to the game. So, uh, uh, we're going to be able to go down on the sideline with the team, and I'll I'll come back and report to the size. I'm sure that I can get a really good perspective standing on the sidelines. Uh, you know, uh, Jeff, you'll have to check out Gaffon because uh, um, when we were sitting there with the, the fans from New Mexico State, we pulled up that little picture, you know, that had been tweeted out before the season started. And when they took a look at that guy, you should have just seen their jaws drop. They 
that guy's playing like D1 ball. So, oh, yeah, he's the guy that plugs up the middle, and he'll get to your quarterback, too. You know, and they're like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, well, I'll tell you what. Let's, um, let's listen to the um, play-by-play. And uh, ask you uh, guys to mute your mics there. I'm going to do the same thing here. So uh, let's listen to the play-by-play. The Wyoming Cowboys traveled to Las Cruces, New Mexico last Saturday, August 25th, to open the 2018 football season against the Aggies of New Mexico State University. The Cowboys opened the scoring on their second possession in the first quarter when senior running back Nico Evans scampered 24 yards for the score. The handoff to Evans. He's in the clear. Evans to the 10. Evans in the end zone. It's a touchdown, Cowboys. The extra point by Cooper Roth was good, giving the Cowboys a 7-0 lead with 9 minutes and 30 seconds remaining in the first quarter. Wyoming pinned the Aggies back to their five-yard line after a booming 61-yard kickoff by Roth. A false start penalty by the Aggies on first down pushed them back to the two-and-a-half-yard line. After the Cowboys declined another New Mexico State Aggie penalty, running back Jason Huntley was tackled in the end zone by Wyoming defensive end Carl Granderson for a two-point safety. Oh, it's in the end zone. This is going to be a safety. Tackled in the end zone. Granderson. Carl Granderson. How about that? Oh my the senior goodness. from Sacramento. 6'5", 261 and quick. With 9 minutes, 19 seconds remaining in the first quarter, the score is Wyoming 9, New Mexico State nothing. The Pokes received the ball back from the Aggies after the safety and consumed the rest of the time in the quarter, leaving the score 9 to nothing in favor of Wyoming. The Cowboys' drive stalls on the Aggies' 19-yard line, so Wyoming kicker Cooper Roth adds three points to Wyoming's score with a 36-yard field goal. Hash mark left. Snap is back. The kick is away. It looks good, and it is good. The Cowboys lengthen the lead. 14.49 left here in the second quarter. Wyoming's defense showed its prowess on the Aggies' next possession when junior linebacker Cash Malalua sacked Aggie quarterback Matt Romeo for a 16-yard loss. Huntley comes in motion from the right side wing, and Romero steps up in the pocket beat. He's under duress. Now reverses direct. Oh, down he goes. He's hit and dropped back at the 8-yard line. It was Sidney Malaulu again on the plug. On Wyoming's next possession, Cowboy redshirt quarterback Tyler Vanderwall hit senior tight end Austin Fort for a 41-yard pass. Vanderwall has been very good so far, and he's up under center. He'll turn, fake it to Valaday, rolling right, throws on the run. He's got Fort downfield. Fort to the 30. He's driven out of bounds right near the 20-yard line. Wyoming kicker Roth added three more points with a 39-yard field goal with 10.48 remaining in the first half, making the score Wyoming 15, New Mexico State 0. This will be a 39-yard attempt right in the middle of the field. Snap is back. The kick is away. This one looks good, too. 
And it is good. The Cowboys went into the locker room at half up 15 points. Coach Bowe was asked about his team's performance at the end of the stanza. Coach, uh, offensively, first quarter, offense was rolling, kind of bogged down there in the second quarter a little bit. Uh, you ran the ball extremely well. What do you got to do to get back on track? Uh, a couple things. We had second down and short three times, and I had a miss assignment. We've got to be able to convert that. Um, I think, you know, we had a couple times we had some receivers open, one in the end zone here. Uh, we've got to reestablish that line of scrimmage. I think our defense is playing well, but really hadn't been tested yet. we got to be a little bit stronger in the kicking game. Midway through the third quarter, Wyoming senior running back Nico Evans raced 56 yards for a touchdown. He loads up the eye, turns, gives to Nico Evans, squeezes through the right side, still on his feet, and he's running down the sidelines. He's to the 30, to the 20, Nico to the 10. He is in! Touchdown, Cowboys! Following a successful extra point by Roth, Wyoming led New Mexico State 22 to nothing with 7 minutes and 13 seconds remaining in the third quarter. The Cowboys added their final score of the evening on a 23-yard touchdown run by true freshman running back Yvonne Bigelow. Showing the eye backfield, give it to Bigelow again, right up the middle. He's got room. Bigelow to the 10, the 5. He's in. Touchdown, Cowboys. After the extra point, the score stood in Wyoming 29, New Mexico State 0, with 10 minutes and 7 seconds remaining in the fourth quarter. The Aggies managed to score against the Wyoming Reserves with 1 minute and 16 seconds remaining in the game on a 31-yard scoring pass from Aggies quarterback Matt Romero to receiver Dan Drew. After the extra point, the score stood at Wyoming 29, New Mexico State 7. The voice of the Wyoming Cowboys, Dave Walsh, called the end of the game. Both teams coming across the field. This game is over, and the Cowboys have won it big time. Outstanding win for the Cowboys. Time has run out. The final score, oh, the score, Wyoming 29, New Mexico State 7. The Cowboys notched their first win of the season in impressive fashion by scoring 29 points before the Aggies were able to find the end zone. The Wyoming defense held the Aggies to negative 9 yards rushing and 144 yards passing. Wyoming rushed for a total of 312 yards and passed for 137 for a total of 449 yards. Wyoming held the ball for 40 minutes. 41 seconds to New Mexico State's 19 minutes, 19 seconds. Overall, a dominating win, which pleased Coach Bowl. Outstanding offseason opener. Uh, I guess uh, you're just uh, your initial thoughts on tonight's win. A dominating game on the defensive side. Offense uh, at times showed some, some promise. Yeah, and you know, I thought there were some good things in the kicking game as well. Uh, to go on the road against a good opponent, a team that won their bowl game, beat Utah State. I have a lot of players back. It was going to be a tough challenge. Um, certainly, uh, our guys answered the bell. I think we're going to learn a lot from this tape and uh, get better. Nico Evans, uh, he starting running back. He came out, and uh, boy, did I, I was surprised. Uh, just talk about his performance. Well, we've been seeing signs of that, everything from off-season conditioning to spring ball and the spring game. 
some things in fall camp you, you were having hopes uh, but he had a great night now he's been playing well uh, but that certainly uh, surprised me a little bit. We're pleased with that uh, yardage. How about just the stable of running backs? Mm-hmm. It looked like every time you put somebody in, there were some positives. Yeah, you know, it's good to have three running backs like that, and this has afforded us, we, we think, to put Trey Woods at his best position, and so we're going to utilize that and move forward. Well, he got a sack, and that was pretty fun to see. That defense was dominant today. I mean, it, I'm not going to they, – they just shut yeah. him down. You know what? Um, we need to leverage that, and there was one of the times that – you know, I think we punted, and, you know, if we wouldn't have the type of defense, I would probably would have said let's go for it. But uh, to say they're going to go a long, long ways against our starters tonight, we just didn't think it was going to happen. How would you assess the play of Tyler Vanderwall getting his first start tonight? You know, I thought he started out really well. There's some things. He had some rough spots in the middle, but he finished off strong. We're pleased. Okay. Coach, good win. All right. Wyoming Cowboys return to Laramie next Saturday, September 1st, to host the Cougars of Washington State. For the Cowboy Roundtable, I'm Jeff Fry reporting. And there you have the play-by-play. Were you guys able to hear that? We did. Yes. Okay, good, good. I was I was hoping I had the right buttons pushed. Uh, that was, uh, oh, by the way, I wanted to thank uh, University of Wyoming Learfield Sports Dave Walsh and Reese Monaco for allowing us to use the play-by-play calls from the game. That's really nice of them, and uh, I think it adds a little spark. Uh, I tell you what, my takeaway from that, having watched it on TV, is thank God, glory, hallelujah, we've got a running game. Finally. Uh, That was impressive. Well, that was a concern uh, going into the season. I mean, into the season. After last year, the offensive line was obviously uh, a question mark with a lot of people. Um, it's just so encouraging to see, I believe, four redshirt freshmen on that offensive line uh, the, doing what they did, opening up those holes. It, at least based on the first game, looks like our running game is uh, definitely on an upward trajectory compared to last year. And I'm with you. Uh, it's just so encouraging to see us run the football because we know that coach bowl wants to run the football and he's gonna they're gonna run the football until they keep you know have success and if they're not they're gonna keep running it so when they're running the ball uh combined with that defense there's there's a chance the cowboys are going to control a lot of these games how about you doug uh did that running game look as good as it did on tv in live it looked pretty powerful most of the time. I mean, there were occasions where, you know, you kind of scratched your head a little bit and said, oh, man, you know, why can't we do that? But, you know, New Mexico State, they were coming out gunning to stop the run. I mean, that, that's the knock on Wyoming coming from last year is you stop the run, you put yourself in a position to win the game. And, um, um, you know, we kept just punching at them, punching at them, and um, – you know, got some big plays out of it. And as Coach Bull said on his uh, press conference that, um, you know, he was pleased that we showed that we established the line of scrimmage and were able to run the ball. But he also, you know, indicated that, you know, when they go back and look at the film, they're going to find some things where they need to make some adjustments where maybe somebody didn't do something. And, you know, as from a fan's point, you realize that, huh, Maybe somebody was supposed to pull 
a little quicker or something on that third and one where, you know, then we had fourth and a foot and it's like, how can we not get one yard in that situation and stuff? But overall, you know, uh, uh, you know, coach indicated that, that, you know, when you know you're in control of the game with the defense, like what we have, you know, he wasn't going to take any unnecessary risks either. And, and um, so, you know, was it really that vanilla in a way it's like, we're just, we're that dominating that you didn't need to run up the score. And yet it could have very easily been a 40 something to nothing. If they really wanted to, you know, if it was a matter of where you're going to be ranked in the top twin winning 45 to nothing or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Then maybe you'd have done that. But you know, in this case, it was a solid victory and you're going to work on the fundamentals with your players and make them better for the games down the road. Well, I noticed that um, they didn't they didn't uh, have um, uh, Tyler throw very far down the field. It was a lot of stuff out in the flats and a lot of swing out passes. Um, there were a couple of times where I was kind of wondering what he was doing because he kind of dumped it off two or three yards when there was a guy farther down the field. Uh, had it been Josh Allen, Josh <laughs> Josh Allen had been going for that farther guy. So I think uh, to me it looked like they were throttled back a little bit and letting him get used to the game and, and not really trying to go downfield as, as much as they might have done with uh, Josh Allen. Yeah, I think yeah, that's that. very true. And I, I think the key, um, I think where they approached it was if they could have success with the, the basic uh, running of the football, playing defense, keeping things pretty conservative it kind of reminded me going way back a couple of decades when I first started watching football and watched the Pittsburgh Steelers and they would run the ball and play defense. And I think they were holding back. And if they needed to open some things up to win the game, they would have done so. So I think they were holding back for Washington state a little bit, um, hiding some things perhaps um, be, being that they were running, able to run the ball success successfully and also play defense. I think um, they just kind of, uh, kept with that formula for for that particular game. Well, Nico, there were at least three pass plays where they did try to go downfield. Um, the first one that I recall was a pass play to Nico in the end zone on a on a play where we end up getting a field goal out of it, and uh, he easily was behind the defenders, and the pass was just a little bit too long. Um, and then that was subsequent in a couple of other down the field passes. I, I forget exactly who, but I know one of them was Price and, and he was just led maybe about a yard too long. Otherwise, he would have caught it in stride and easily gone into the end zone. So I think that weapon's there. It just didn't get executed properly, and it's a little bit of the timing. But otherwise, the, the majority of his passes look pretty good. There were a couple of them where he tried to thread the needle, and one of them in particular where we were very lucky not to um, um, get picked. But outside of that, yeah, I, I feel pretty good for seeing a guy in his first collegiate game and his passing ability. I have no doubt about his arm strength. He's not going to be like some quarterbacks in the past where we had to establish the running game and then maybe do a swing pass and the guy couldn't get the ball to the feet of the person <laughs> 30 feet away from him. <laughs> I remember that. I remember that. Well, yeah, that, it bodes well. I, I I thought Tyler did a really good job. Uh, but the star of the show, I think, was Nico. And um, 
Uh, let me play this for you. They talked to uh, Nico uh, after the game and asked him about uh, uh, about his experience. Nico, what an outstanding debut for you as a Cowboy starter. Uh, been a career backup all along. You got named starter uh, Colin Falling Fall Camp. Um, what was going through your mind? What was going through your gut to start this start this game? Time to show out. That's a, the only thing going through my head, man. I mean, I've waited so long for this moment, so I got to seize the opportunity, go out there and take advantage of it. How big, I mean, just talk about this win. It was just, I mean, Coach, Coach Ball called it a team win. What does he mean by that? How is this a team win? You know, everyone just did their job. You know, we were, the linemen up front blocked incredibly, opened up holes for me to run through. We had break tackles, receivers blocking downfield. Defense almost posting a shutout. You know, they barely letting up any yards. Where they had 20 yards in the first half that they let up. So, you know, everyone just did an incredible job tonight. So that's what he means by a team win. You know, it wasn't just one person. What have you done to get yourself into this position? I mean, you he said you're a different running back now than you were last year or even the year before. That's just put the work in, you know, and not just on the field, but in the film room, too. You know, put the work in all aspects of the game, and that really took my game to another level. Talk a couple of those two long touchdown runs. I mean, uh, what's it like when you break that break open and there's nothing but between you and the goal line? Man, that's the most beautiful feeling in the world. When you see nothing but green grass and you just run as fast as you can and you just see that end zone, you know you're going to score. It's a beautiful feeling. New quarterback, Tyler Vanderwall, what was he like in the huddle? Did he command the huddle tonight? Definitely. Now, Tyler took control of the huddle and took control of the offense, and I was extremely proud of him. How it's it like to be on the offense watching this defense play, knowing that, you know what, sometimes uh, you know we might not play so well, but this defense is going to keep us in games. They were outstanding tonight. Man, they're the best defense in the nation. I'm going to say that right now. They're the best defense in the nation. And so it's kind of tough. When you practice against them, you don't feel like such a good offense. But, you know, they, they make us better at practice. And when you go out and watch them in the game, you just sit there in amazement. They say teams get most improvement between week one and week two. What can you improve on between week one and week two? Me personally or the offense? You and the offense. You know, I mean, breaking more tackles, finishing runs. You know, we had, we had a great running game today, but, you know, we can always get better. You know, we can always shoot higher, try to get more and more and more. So I guess just improve on what we've done today. Nico, great job today. Thanks. That was uh, Nico Evans' post-game interview. Uh, I feel really happy for the young man. He's a senior, and uh, things look like they're finally coming together for him. Well, it's cliche-ish, but he he just put the work in and found a way to get better in the offseason, and it's so key in programs having success, especially in Wyoming, where we have to develop our program um, is – how the players do in the off season, right? There's so much focus in the off season and for him to just go out there and put the work in, in a position that Wyoming really needed somebody to step up in and for him to come and do that was great. And he looked terrific. I mean, just the tackles he broke, he looked like he had some good speed in the open field and I look forward to seeing him on Saturday. Well, uh, putting, uh, putting this one to bed, 29 to seven victory over the uh, Mexico State, uh, New Mexico State uh, Aggies. And up next week, uh, we're in Laramie. Game kickoff, I believe, is 1.30 local, 1.30 uh, Mountain Time. And we're uh, welcoming in the Cougars of Washington State and their coach, Wyoming native Mike Leach. Uh, This is going to be a little bit higher uh, challenge than it was in Las Cruces. Yeah, I think uh, being a Pac-12 school, 
uh, one that has a, a coach that's established the program uh, that runs a kind of a quirky type offense, a very dynamic offense, which will be a challenge within itself and certainly an upgrade in athletic ability and the skill versus uh, New Mexico State. But I feel this is a, a great opportunity for Wyoming. I think uh, we've had a, a game under our belt. Washington State has not played a game. I think that's a big advantage. Um, as Bull said, you improve the most between week one and week two of the season. We're going to have that benefit to be able to tie some loose ends up, uh, some rough edges up, and just continue to improve from actual game live action. So I think that's going to be a big benefit for Wyoming. Well, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm guardedly optimistic. I think they can win this one. I think uh, what's um, what is it like two points? The betters are giving uh, Wyoming a, a two point. Well, edge. that's an interesting point about that line because uh, about betting lines and stuff. It started off about three and a half, four points with Washington State as favorite, and it's actually moved down closer in some cases for Wyoming as favorite. So a lot of what you would call the gaming experts out there are laying heavy money on Wyoming versus Washington state. Normally that's a pretty good sign that uh, the, the people that really follow the nuances of this stuff uh, does see a big advantage with Wyoming in this game. The San Jose newspaper uh, for what it's worth um, uh, states it this way. They predict them to lose to Wyoming. They say the reason why, too many new faces, too many new roles. The Cougars sputter against a team that has already played. The Cowboys pounded New Mexico State and have 17 returning starters. You know, I, uh, I was watching um, some uh, Mike Leach interviews. Yeah, you know, in typical fashion, you know, he, he plays his cards close, you know, just like uh, Coach Bull does. And, um, uh, you know, what I gleaned from his comments when some of the reporters were trying to get him to commit to, like, who's going to be playing this position? Who's going to be playing that position? He was kind of noncommittal because, you know, they are, they are a little unsettled in that, um, you know, in naming, you know, they, they got to replace their quarterback, several key offensive players and several key defensive players. On the flip side of it, though, you know, let's don't discount that they're just totally rebuilding because yeah, you take a look at Wyoming endured a little bit of a hardship last year, even though we had Josh Allen on offense. And, you know, what did we really have coming back that was going to make this running game possible? And it just shows you that sometimes what you have in the cupboard and now you turn that loose um, – that one year, of like our old former coach uh, Glenn used to say, birthdays can make another uh, a bit of a difference. And I believe in this case with Wyoming, another year of birthdays and some additions to that cupboard are making a difference. And you know, so don't don't discount that Washington State isn't going to have some guys that are still going to be some serious ball players to contend with. Oh, I mean, after all, they are a Pac-12 team. And uh, that's, you know, Pac-12 caliber athletes. Uh, we got to be honest and say, well, there's a difference between uh, Mountain West uh, and uh, Pac-12 in the talent that uh, each conference gets. So, yeah, they're, um, they've got the talent. But I think uh, Bowl has beat his teams have beaten uh, so-called uh, Power Five teams uh, with even lesser talent, and it's it's because they're disciplined, 
and uh, they stick to their plan. So I'm uh, I'm 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 enthusiastically optimistic that uh, we can beat the Cougars. Uh, but you've got to you've got to put everything together. You can't uh, can't let them uh, get that passing game going. You know, so um, it's going to be pretty interesting. It's going to be pretty interesting. Um, Coach Bowl every Monday has his press conference, and uh, he talked about the New Mexico game, and he also talked a lot about Washington. Let's uh, let's listen to his comments. Okay. Good afternoon, everybody. We'll go ahead and get started. A um, couple comments um, <clears throat> concerning the, our recent ball game. We're really pleased with the uh, start. It was going to be important for us to, to come off the field with a, a good victory. Uh, we're pleased with the win. Um, I think New Mexico State's a good football program. want to wish Coach Martin the best, and we're convinced they're going to win a lot of football games this year. A uh, couple injury reports, I would say Austin Ford is doubtful uh, for the Washington State game. Uh, we are pleased to say that Alonzo Velasquez, I would say, was probably probable or even better than that. So um, <clears throat> uh, some uh, notes about the ball game. Uh, first of all, really pleased uh, we established a running game, established a line of scrimmage that was going to be important for us. I thought our running backs ran hard. We were assignment bound, and uh, we came off the ball, and, and that's always going to you know, be a hopefully a trademark for us as we move forward. Uh, Tyler Vanderwall, you know, he started out the game really well. I think he was seven for seven, and he maybe had a little dip during the course of the game. But really pleased for a freshman quarterback, you know, in starting game, particularly on the road with a team that had won their bowl game. It was a big ball game, and thought Tyler really showed up well. So we're really pleased with that. I thought our defense was very disruptive. Um, they established field position. Uh, we tackled well. Uh, we ran to the ball well uh, and played with a great deal of energy. So we're pleased with that. Uh, and I, we won the kicking game. So if you total those things up, I think it was a pretty convincing win. While some people on the outside may like a lot more scores, you know, I was pleased <clears throat> for the most part with our first team defense. Uh, you know, we were holding a shutout and uh, creating a field position. The time of possession was in our favor. And so we're pleased with that. We'd like to have that formula in the future. But we've got much work to do. Um, I've always believed this, a football team typically improves their most uh, improvement comes between their first and their second game. And so uh, this is an opportunity for us to improve. And we have a lot of work to do. Um, so our our players are back. We hey we started out with some lifting today, and we'll have a light practice and get ready for an excellent uh, uh, game uh, against Washington State. Washington State, uh, first of all, I have a great deal of respect for Coach Leach. I've coached against him uh, on a couple occasions through the years. He enjoys a great national reputation, and I think their football team has transitioned from a team into a really good program. You can see the vision uh, that Coach Leach has in their recruiting philosophy, uh, the direction that they're going. Uh, they've been a perennial bowl game team, and so you're not just dealing with a team, you're dealing with a program. Uh, I know the, their defensive coordinator, uh, Tracy uh, Clays, very well. I can I promise you this, uh, their defensive players will know what they're doing. 
Uh, they will be assignment bound and they will play really hard. Also know Coach Spurrier. Um, you know, I had a chance when I was a young coach at Duke. He was on our team for a while. And, uh, you know, I know that when he was at Oklahoma, he, he and Coach Leach worked extensively together. So uh, you've got an experienced coaching staff with a whole collection of other guys. Well, what the makings are is a great college football game. There's a lot to play for. It's early in the year. I know our players are excited. Our coaches are excited. And so uh, at this time, I'll open up any questions anybody might have. Well, that was Coach Bull at his uh, opening presser. Um, uh, covered a lot of the... Um, points that we made uh but i get a real good sense that uh, he's he seems pretty confident or at least uh uh he uh, he's not hedging his bets that's for sure well he's a straight shooter i mean when he first started this program uh he was honest about the situation the program was in and when he said that when we played washington state back in 2015 and we were overmanned or outmanned, I should say, and we're not that close to being outmanned now. And the program's come a long ways. I mean, he's being pretty straight, and and I'm with you. I just I feel a lot of confidence. But I've heard this confidence from him for a while, and it just seems like it's picking the levels up with what he believes this program can do. And he seems really, just really, I, I like his attitude about what he thinks about his team right now. Um, he did talk about, um, you know, um, the defense played very well in the first game. And he was asked is, uh, it was kind of vanilla. And I think the reference probably implied like we didn't see blitzes and some of the other stunt packages that maybe that you see against stronger passing teams. And, um, um, the person that asked this wanted to know, was it by design and, or was it just how the game went? And, and uh, coach basically says, you know, well, you know, I'm really not going to comment on that. And, uh, you know, for specific reasons, you know, and, but yet, you know, he just says, well, you know, uh, you know, when the game goes that way, why do you need to do anything different? And, you know, when you think about it, you know, when, when it through through uh, three quarters, New Mexico State had only gained 39 total yards, 13 yards a quarter. Why do you need to worry about whether you're doing something different on defense? What you're doing is working with the strength skills you have. However, you know, in, in response to that, you know, I'm with a, with a different team, you know, Washington State, different style of offense and play and everything. Yes, you're going to have to do some different things on offense. And that's what they're, I'm sure they're preparing to do this week. And that's why they watch the game film and, and, uh, you know, he did say that they're going to have to clean up on some missed assignments. And he says, you know, it's not only just the players. He says, sometimes it's the coaches too. And he says, you know, if, if the, if a coach tells him that a player is missing assignments or whatever, then he's going to ask the coach. He says, why do you have a coach on the back of your shirt? You're supposed to be the one to teach him how to do that correctly. And, and uh, yeah, I just like his straightforward style on that. You know, there's no, no mincing of the words, you know, that it, it's the management of the team and the program that produces the results and it's everybody involved. And so, yeah, he, um, he gives, he gives me the impression that, um, uh, Things are really under control. We're really on the cusp of getting to where he, where he wants to be. Uh, at least that's that's my hope. Maybe I'm um, overthinking it, but uh, I guess we'll know a little bit more about where the team is at uh, after this next game. 
uh, he was uh, going back to that um, challenges of playing Washington State. Uh, he talked about that. Uh, you know what, uh, Tracy, sometimes uh, schools get in a cookie cutter approach. Uh, in our league, however, uh, there's a lot of different offenses. I would say this offense that uh, Coach Leach has is very unique, and I think the question came up earlier about the similarities between them and New Mexico State. Some of the, the personnel groupings are similar, but the schemes and the concepts are significantly different, and they execute them, uh, Tracy, so well. I mean, they they execute things uh, on a dime. And I think one thing that I have appreciated about Coach Leach through the years is uh, he takes things that appear to be very complicated and are complicated for opposing defenses, and he makes them simple. Oh, what, I, what I see, whether, you know, when he was at Oklahoma or at Texas Tech, and some of the things that I see now, those, those concepts are there. He has a... He's a really bright guy. Uh, you know what? <clears throat> I know this. The attorney general at the, the state of Nebraska went to law school with him. The attorney general at Nebraska was my college roommate. So, um, you know, Coach Leach has got a law degree, um, and he's a bright guy, and he utilizes it. But he, he doesn't try to think – he doesn't try to out-trick everybody to show how smart he is. And uh, so there's brilliance here. Uh, Coach um... – Coach Bo, quite complimentary of uh, Mike Leach, who is uh, a different kind of cat. I mean, uh, he <laughs> he likes pirates, and uh, uh, he has a law degree, and uh, he's just, uh, I don't even think he actually played college football. Uh, he did play football at Cody, but uh, he's a pretty interesting character. Well, he's a genius, an offensive genius in, in my book. <laughs> Honestly, minds me so much of Tiller and some of the offensive uh, minds of the past, of uh, the way he runs things. But just the way that Coach Bull described him, I think it was right to the T. He just has – he understands the details. He understands the nuances of running, running this offense. So you have to be really prepared – uh, to play Washington State. I mean, they, they're a team that really, frankly, isn't as talented as a USC or a Stanford or some of those Pac-12 schools, but they, they're a little bit more gimmicky, but that's how they win is uh, maybe out thinking, out uh, strategizing their opponents. So that's where the difficulty with this game it, it comes in mind with me. Fortunately, we're very experienced on defense, and I think this is going to help the situation. I don't think you're going to see – this massive, uh, better talented football team Wyoming's playing than the Cowboys. I feel the Cowboys will, in a lot of ways, match up with Washington State and maybe even supersede them at certain positions. But it's it's what he does in terms of his offensive philosophy that makes it so difficult uh, to play Washington State. Well, the game is at 1.30 Mountain Time. It's on CBS Sports Network, if I'm right. So for That's all correct. Of- for all of us who live out in the hinterlands here, uh, we'll be able to see it. Uh, in fact, uh, the Wyoming Alumni Group here in Washington, we're going to go down to Crystal City Sports Pub. Um, uh, Doug, where are you going to watch the game at? I'm going to be sitting in my comfy recliner with access to all the brewskis that I desire, <laughs> watching it on my big old 78-inch TV. 
my high definition TV. So I'd like to be there in person. Is uh, I'll be up for the Wofford and Boise games. That's my road trip for the year, along with the New Mexico State. And then I'll I'll save up for that bowl game. Oh yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to that. I keep saying I'm going to go to a bowl game. Uh, I didn't go last time because, well, a they played BYU and it was poinsettia bowl and it was. It was so darn expensive to get across the country to go to that game in the middle of the week, in a Christmas week. So that kind of uh, blew me away. So hopefully they'll have a, uh, they'll get into a bowl game this year, and it'll be something accessible for us guys on the East Coast. Uh, uh, Ian, how about you? Where are you going to see the game at? Well, I'll be in Laramie, uh, bringing a buddy up there. I'll have my media credentials, so I'll be in there down on the field for a little while and in the locker room after the game for goiogo.com. But I'm very much looking forward to getting up there. Uh, you know, it sounds like ticket sales are really starting to pick up, so we should have uh, close to capacity maybe on Saturday if uh, the walk-up crowd's really good and the students really turn out. There could potentially be a, a sellout, but regardless, the crowd's going to be really good and the atmosphere is going to be really good. And um, it's it's going to be exciting. Um, just hope there isn't a lightning storm coming in or anything like that and delaying us like a couple of years ago. But uh, we'll keep an eye on that weather forecast. Well, good. Uh, what uh, have you looked at the weather, uh, the extended weather forecast for next Saturday? Well, what I saw earlier in the day was there's going to be thunderstorms. And then right before this podcast, I checked uh, the updated weather forecast and it had sunny with no thunderstorms. So I don't know. Doug seems to be a kind of a weather expert. I don't know if he had a chance to look at the weather report. It says 71 and sunny in Laramie on Saturday. That's good news. Perfect. The wind is guaranteed to blow somewhere on the Continental 48, not necessarily in Laramie on Saturday. <laughs> Which is unusual, uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, talking about watching games, uh, a game that could be of interest is uh, uh, our uh, previous foe, New Mexico State's playing at Minnesota Thursday. Ah, okay. And I, that game is on the Big Ten Network at 7 o'clock Eastern. So, you know, just for the for grins, you know, check it out. See how they do. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Uh and uh, it would make us even look better if uh, they were actually to be able to uh, do something against Minnesota. So, uh, yeah, let's let's be Aggie fans on Thursday, and uh, hopefully they come through. Um, Hear about the caveat for that particular game. I guess the Mexico State did not get their traveling white uniforms yet, so that means that uh, Minnesota has to wear white at home, and they normally wear the dark jerseys. So they are helping New Mexico State out there a little bit. Well, okay, that's interesting. Did you guys hear that one? <laughs> no, I hadn't, no I, I hadn't heard that, no. Well, that's different. Um, Leave it behind to get the scoop. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's on I the internet, Doug. You just got to stay on social media every all day like I do, and guess what? You get The news will come your direction. <laughs> well, and you're so plugged in, it's just amazing. That's why we're glad you're sponsoring this show, because without you, we'd be lost, you know? <laughs> I, I got a great job. I'm in front of my computer all day. I'm inside. Uh, I can check the go out, go side out, check the Twitter accounts out. And so I'm I'm up and watch you guys when you post on my website. Keep an eye on you guys. I know Doug hasn't posted for a while. So 
but I can sit there and just kind of monitor everything. Well, I'm retired, so uh, I do have a lot of free time, but um, I got the honeydew list too. So uh, <laughs> it's Big not Doug like has that list himself. I'm not totally uh, uh, unemployed. I'm retired, and just the idea of sitting in front of a computer all day just just doesn't cut it for me. But I stay informed, and uh, and uh, my idea of uh, posting a message is to uh, uh, send a text to Ian and and uh, get him charged up, get him ready to go, keep him focused. There you he go. He does get me charged up sometimes, especially <laughs> we lose lose a football game, and I get that that uh, text from Doug, I could tell you what, it can be pretty, pretty bad night when you get texts after losses from Doug Friesen. <laughs> well, I tell you, know, I'll, I'll fire you guys up. You know, uh, there's a news item on the board that's, uh, well, they are like 63, 70 posts on it now. Uh, it was announced that BYU and Wyoming are going to play a home and home and, uh, 2024 or something like what are the dates i i didn't uh i have to go on the board here and look 2022 and 2024 2024 in laramie and 2022 in provo you know i thought we were done with those guys i thought we said they're gone we don't have to mess with them i guess um they had a change of heart or something but uh i'm personally no i i um I kind of sent a note off to one of my Arizona buddies and said, I'm just not good with that. And he said, I am. And then listening to Coach Bowles' press conference, he talked about, you know, of course he was talking in terms of Washington State and getting home and homes with uh, the supposed elite five conferences and stuff. And and um, he said, you know, one of the reasons why Wyoming is getting home and homes with, with – uh, some of these teams that are the more brand names you see nationally or whatever is because the Mountain West has presented itself as a conference that competes on the national level. And he said, you know, I just it's not just Wyoming. You take a look across the schedule and stuff, and you'll see why Stanford goes to San Diego State. And, you know, I, I'd say, you know, as a prelude before uh, as Fresno transitioned into the Mountain West, you know, we'll go anywhere at any time and play anybody and stuff. And, um, you know, and Wyoming's right now has got a, a three-game streak against SEC teams. Let's make up four against Missouri. But, you know, when you go up against teams and you play them and you play them solidly, you win games, uh, that goes for setting the stage. And there's a reason why we got home and homes with Texas and Nebraska and and, uh, you know, a lot of it has to do with uh, an athletic director that can be creative about, well, we won't take as big a paycheck at your place, so you'll get an even bigger gate revenue, because if you come to our place, we can't pay you the kind of gate revenue. So when you do the math after two games, you're making all the money you want to make, and we're getting a good deal out of it as well. And, you know, and that's called the art of the deal, so to speak, you know, and, and, uh, you get yourself that exposure being on the national level. And if there's any time that it, it it's a great thing to enhance your team, it's to actually win these games. And, and uh, I think beating Washington state and because think about this, when we play Missouri the same day, Boise plays at Oklahoma state. Mm. That one is already talked about is a big time national game is that's going to set Boise on the run for that 
New Year's Day game. Well, I tell you what, we, we beat Missouri and Boise comes to town and we're 4-0 and we take care of Boise, then Wyoming's going to be. Maybe maybe it's my pipe dream or whatever, but you know it, there goes to a lot to say that if we're 5-0 and at the end of September, that we're going to be getting some uh, national talk. Well, you know, I like it's what a big Doug's dream. Saying, uh, I'm sorry about that. I like what Doug's saying because I think Coach Bull, uh, following up what he was saying, has kind of pointed that out. He doesn't really like this Power Five versus Group Five uh, divide that the media asks these questions all the time. He kind of gets defensive a little bit when that when that comes up. And what he says is it's about being a power program. Our goal is to be a power program. It's not about power conferences. It's about being power program and you get the coach bull off the record and stuff he definitely what doug just said that's definitely kind of his attitude mentality about where he wants wants this program to be so so uh, just just to roll back a minute to towards the original premise does that include byu i guess they do have a national cachet but god i hate those guys well i wouldn't put byu into the power five category type schedule but byu is a Usually it'd be a very good opponent to play. I want to keep out of the line of fire from guys like Cup and some of these really passionate anti-BYU, not scheduled <laughs> guys. So I don't want to get in trouble with anybody here because I do understand their their frustration uh, with, with BYU and the things BYU's done in the past. I completely understand that. Um, from an optimistic side, I would like to see people get excited about playing BYU and Laramie and get that stadium filled up because I think it's just about getting the stadium filled up, getting fans excited about, about these games. And we lost BYU at Utah for both basketball and football. We, we almost felt like we kind of lost an element there a little bit with, with those big games, but it's starting to pick up again. We got Boise state and we got some of these other opponents. Well, now we've, we've even added uh, a home and home, I believe if I'm not mistaken with Utah. That's uh, correct. Yes. So, you know, uh, yes. just bringing a blast from the past. Now, I don't mind Utah as much as I do BYU, but uh, oh well. I think Utah is coming to Laramie before we're going to Salt Lake. I could be wrong on that, but I think it might be we get Utah and Laramie first. So Utah, Utah and Laramie, September 19th, 2020. Make your reservations, Jeff. All right. All right. Uh, we- we return the favor to Utah not until 2025, September 6th. Well, now I have uh, I have one of these games circled, uh, and <laughs> it's nowhere near a big league contest. But um, Wyoming plays Texas State next year uh, back down in San Marcos, and the only reason why uh, that's big on my schedule is because all my relatives live around there. So I, it gives me an excuse to go down there and visit with them. But uh, yeah, I. Uh, it would be great to come out and see him play Utah. Um, we've got Missouri. Well, we got Missouri coming up. Um, we've got Clemson uh, on yeah, the schedule. Yeah, we have uh, Missouri and Laramie next year, and then we got Clemson in uh, 2021, 2022, something like that. I yeah, think 2023. But I was going to bring San Marcos up. That was kind of the beginning of the end of Dave Christian. Said you guys remember that? Oh yeah. <laughs> we just got that big win over Air Force, blew them out down in Colorado Springs after make up for that howdy doody situation the year before. 
And uh, then I think we had a week off or something. We went down to San Marcos. I know you two guys, I believe, were down at that game and the lightning storm hit. So um, maybe this time around when you head to San Marcos, Jeff, uh, it's going to be a better finish down well, there. Well, I have so. a cousin, uh, Cousin Greg. Uh, he went to U- UT. And uh, he's come with me to every Wyoming game that I've gone to in Texas. And Wyoming has gotten killed. So I told Greg, Greg, you're not coming. <laughs> I think he's the one that's jinxing us. Because, you know, Texas A&M twice. Uh, he was at those games. That was and, ugly. And there were, there were some ugly games there. Uh, the debacle down in uh, Texas State with the rainstorm. He was at that one. Uh, he went to the TCU game. Uh, so uh, I'm I'm, I'm going to have to put him on a I'm going to have to put him on a long leash and <laughs> tell him he can't come because it seems those like- are some tough opponents. The only one that's the tough one to swallow was Texas State. The other group of teams you referenced, I think you benched the game in Austin, right? Was he right. at the game in Austin with you? Those are some uh, pretty sturdy opponents, and we know TCU had a heck of a football team that year too when when we went there. So well, I went to the. Wyoming Texas game in 1978 and uh, I was a pepster uh, and that's a long story but I I was on the pep squad and we played Texas in 78 and they you know they had a guy by the name of um, Earl Campbell and it was also uh, uh, Fred Akers was on the other side of the field at that point and uh, we played him pretty good for a half but uh, the heat and the big boys from Texas wore us down again so, yeah, um, the question I have about playing because I watched Earl Campbell growing up and he was so, so powerful in the National Football League. How was the Wyoming defense playing against that guy? Uh, was that well, like a situation. I mean, Wyoming played him close, but I would I figure that powerful guy to try. Oh, to yeah, he was dragging two or three people with him everywhere he went. When I went to uh, Memorial Stadium, when we went to Memorial Stadium, the field is 13, was 13 feet lower. Uh, or no, 13 feet higher than it is now. Uh, since that time, they've re- renovated the stadium and lowered the field uh, 13 feet. So uh, technically, uh, the next time I went down there, I was uh, telling uh, my cousin that, uh, well, uh, Wyoming played 13 feet lower than, or 13 feet higher <laughs> than they did when I went. So that, that, that's it. So they'd Very be up in the air. They'd be uh, playing in the air at this point. But anyway, one of those small things, you know. Got an interesting story how times change and facilities change and football stadiums get built and redone. So that's the – actually, I didn't know that until you just told me that. So Yeah, yeah. It was um, – uh, well, that stadium then, when we went down there, held, I don't know, maybe 40,000. And now it's it's <laughs> – it's close to a hundred. I mean, it's hundred thousand. It's over a hundred thousand. No. Yeah. So in the, so it's huge. It's huge. Uh, any announcements there, uh, Ian? Yeah, just for Jim and Nest. I think they have the Colorado and Cowboys tailgate uh, for the Washington State game. It'll be right in front of the uh, football stadium on, on the Ford lot, right there in the entryway. So fans would look for the Colorado and call or Cowboys in Colorado sign. They will have probably a pretty good gathering there to join. And I want to mention again that uh, the Wyoming alumni in the Washington DC area, come on down to crystal city pub in Arlington. 
Uh, that's at 529 uh, South 23rd Street uh, in Crystal City. Uh, so, yeah, we'll be down there for the game. So hopefully we can get some Wyoming people uh, out for that. Uh, it's a decent time. It's 3.30 Eastern. And uh, so uh, I think it's... Uh, I think it's getting about that time here. Let me um, let me reach over here and get this. Hey Jeff, I'm getting thirsty. You got anything to share? Ah! <laughs> here we go. There it is. Ah, uh, music to my ears. Well, there you go. We've wrapped up another one at the Cowboy Roundtable. I want to thank you, Doug, for joining us out there in uh, hellaciously hot Arizona. Thanks for having me, yeah. And uh, I want to thank Ian uh, over there in Denver. Uh, I think you're kind of warm as well, aren't you? It was about 75 degrees today. It wasn't too bad. It wasn't as bad as Arizona, so I'll take it. All right. Well, why don't uh, why don't we get ourselves uh, out of this in the traditional manner? So, gentlemen, ragtime cowboy Joe. Well, there you have it. Another cowboy roundtable the 2018 Wyoming Cowboy season. I'm your host, Jeff Fry. I've been joined by Ian McMacken, the publisher of Go Wyo Go, and Doug Friesen, Wyoming fan extraordinaire. The Cowboy Roundtable has been brought to you by the Go Wyo Go website in cooperation with the University of Wyoming and Learfield Sports. This is a production of Jackalope Ridge Media, LLC. All rights reserved.